Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Nakchang Rinpoche, Chapter 11. Rinpoche smiled very, very, very faintly. Oh yeah, maybe you understand this. It is possible I may see you tomorrow. Come anyway. But now it is time to leave because you are tired. And maybe this bad Kunzang Dorje has shouted too much. Chapter 11, The Brocade Prison. Yeah, so you come back again. Yes, Rinpoche. Yes, Rinpoche, he repeated in English, imitating my intonation. What was I to say to that? We sat in silence. I began to wonder whether he was waiting for me to blurt something stupid so that he could whack me with some violent line of interrogation. What was I to do? Wait it out? No, that was an idiot's tactic. I was going to have to say something. As you've let me come back again today, I'm eager to work on whatever you have in mind for me. Rinpoche did not answer. The silence continued. Then suddenly he launched in as if nothing had happened. At one time, Tsar Paltrul was giving teachings at Katog, one of the six Margon, or Mother Gompas of the Nyingma tradition. The abbot of Katog at that time was Paltrul's nephew, Katog Situ Chuki Ludro. He was a young lama who wasn't a monk exactly. He simply held the basic Gainyen vows. Chuki Ludro was visibly moved by Paltrul's talks and requested his revered uncle to attend a special feast at the end of his stay at Katog. Up to that point, the Katog Lama had joined Paltrol in the rooms appointed to him as a visiting dignitary. But on the last day, Paltrol joined his nephew in his quarters. These were rather fabulously decorated, sumptuous to say the least. Paltrol sat down and looked around him. He carefully took in the Rococo decoration. The ornate decorations that decorated the decorations were assiduously decorated. It was a visual extravaganza that could absorb the attention for hours without respite if one wasn't either intimidated or wearied by it. Paltrel nodded his head as he looked about him. Well, here's a thing and no mistake. You've really got quite a place here, nephew. You've done well for yourself. I'd heard that Katog was spectacular, but this beggar's description. How marvellous to live in such splendour. There can't be another room like yours in the world. Everything in the room was either gilt or lacquered. There were priceless ritual instruments set with precious gems in the gaudy manner that only the cultural imagination of a vast, desolate land could devise. Before eating, Paltrel volunteered, I don't suppose you'd mind too much showing me around, 
I've never seen such a grand apartment. Chucky Ledro was happy to oblige and Paltrow showed great interest in everything. He commented admiringly on the great cost represented by every item he perused, savouring each one with a certain sense of awe whilst shaking his head in disbelief. The Lamas enjoyed their meal together and Paltrow thanked Chucky Ludro for his hospitality. Just as he was preparing to leave, however, Paltrow inquired, Could I ask a small favour of you, dear nephew? Chucky Ludro replied, I'd be glad to help in any way, Rinpoche. Paltrow smiled appreciatively and asked, Do you think, as you are following on in the same direction as me in a few days, that you could pack my old cooking pot in with your gear. I like to travel light if I can and, but for this old pot, I'm a free man. Chucky Ludro, slightly surprised by so slight a request, replied, Sure, that's easy for me. I'm happy to oblige. It'll be no problem at all with all the baggage that accompanies me on my travels. The two lamas said goodbye to each other and Paltrow took to the road in his usual way. He walked wherever he went. Sitting alone in his room after Paltrow's departure, Chucky Ludro looked at the old clay pot that was Paltrow's one possession. As he looked at it, he began to feel a little uncomfortable. He had received the most marvellous teaching from Tsar Paltrow Rinpoche. He regarded him as an astounding teacher, and yet all he owned in the way of possessions was this old pot. Ma, he thought, that my revered uncle owns only this old pot. But no sooner had that thought emerged in his mind, he suddenly realised something. No, too bad for me. If I wished to come anywhere close to Tsar Paltrow's realisation, I should stop living in this brocade museum and live as he does. It was at that precise moment that Chucky Ludro quit his Rococo apartment and his well-appointed monastery. He never returned. Rather than awaiting the day he was to set off in the direction Paltrow had taken, he left Katog that night. He left in secret in the early hours of the morning. He disappeared on his own and went in search of Paltrow. When he caught up with him, he hooted, Yatsan, Adjo Paltrow, lucky for me you left your old cooking pot. With it you left the best advice and I've taken it. Paltrow smiled and said, is that a fact? Sure, said his nephew, I've left the golden prison in Katog for those who like that kind of thing. Paltrow smiled. So, Rinpoche barked, just what do you understand from this? The story seemed fairly straightforward in its meaning. 
that you have to give up everything to practice the essence of the teaching, that wealth is an obstacle. Rinpoche looked out of the window for quite some time after this. I waited somewhat expectantly for some sort of pat on the head. But when Rinpoche faced me again, he looked furious and said in an icy voice, Go away. After such a tone, there was no asking why or what had happened to cause offence. That would have been too silly a course to have taken, even for a poltroon like me. I just got up and backed politely toward the door. Then, just as I was about to close the door, he shouted, Tomyo! Then, in a less strident tone, he asked, You think an old pot can't be an obstacle? Now answer! Rinpoche motioned me to return. He gazed at me intently and I knew I was supposed to say something. Strangely enough, it was quite clear what I wanted to say. Yes, I piped in a slightly thin voice. An old pot's an obstacle as much as anything. And it's also not an obstacle. And, Rinpoche's face shifted into the very slightest of smiles, why might that be? Well, I replied, it's a matter of what wealth and poverty mean. One can be attached to either or neither. I suppose it's how it's viewed that makes it an obstacle or not. I'd obviously given the right answer this time, or something approaching the right answer. Rinpoche raised his eyebrows slightly and ran his forefinger very slowly down the length of his nose in an almost comical manner. So, if both are the same, why does Paltrel want Chucky Lodro to change his apartment for a cave? I don't think, Rinpoche, that Paltrel had actually specified any kind of desire with regard to whether Chucky Ludro would be better off living in a cave. But, Rinpoche responded immediately, Paltrel smiles when his nephew tells him he's left his golden prison. Yes. Tomyor. Do not agree when I make statements. So, why does he smile? This was tricky. Why did he smile? Well, I ventured, maybe it wasn't because he'd left his apartment. Maybe it was because he'd simply left his attachment behind. Rinpoche smiled in a strangely etheric manner, but said nothing. So I continued. But then, I suppose, he could equally well have stayed. Maybe Paltrel knew that. Rinpoche poured two glasses of beer and commented, Yeah, in Tibet sometimes, the only way to be free 
was to keep away from monastic institutions. When we'd refreshed ourselves with the beer, Rinpoche went on to tell me some further aspects of the story. Yeah, it is not always easy to find good circumstances for rebirth. Rinpoche paused for a moment to refill our beer glasses. Chucky Ludro went to live in a cave and became a wonderful yogi. He assumed the Gurkha Changlo. He grew his hair and wore the white skirt of a Makpa. He took as a consort Chime Kandro, a daughter of Jamyang Kientse Wangpo. It was through her that all his remaining obstacles were blown away. Bang! Rinpoche laughed loudly at this point in his discourse. Just before he died, he gave her a very valuable nine-eyed Z-stone and asked her to keep it for him. It was not obvious what he had meant by this, but later it became very clear. Chime Kandro went on pilgrimage after she left Chukyiludro, and by the time she got home, she discovered that he had died. She also discovered that she was pregnant. She bore a son who was recognised as the incarnation of Chukyiludro. It's not well known that the incarnation was also the son of Chucky Ludro. Something clicked with me at that point and I asked, so maybe that's why it was better that he left Katog? Yeah, Rinpoche laughed and finished his beer. Now it is time for you to leave. Maybe you come back tomorrow.